Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. We've been on a journey this year with the theme, Live the Abundant Life. As we come to the end of this series, there is a stark contrast between those things we've already considered and the one that we will think about today. On the one hand, to say that every one of us needs to mourn and to be poor in spirit and uh, to, to follow righteousness and all of those things that Jesus announced as what we call the Beatitudes, they all make sense. I them. I am either going to be this way or I'm not. And if I want to live the abundant life, these are things that I will control and I'll put into my life. And we've seen all of those this year. But now we come to one that I don't control, maybe. Because when Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted, for righteousness' sake, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. On the one hand, I might say, I don't control that. If someone persecutes me, that's outside of my purview. That's something that someone else chooses to do. And there's an argument there. But I think that that's not fully accurate. Tonight we're actually going to address the topic, how to be persecuted. But for this morning, I want you to notice with me why it is and how it is that persecution is a part of the abundant life. Now that almost doesn't make any sense. In order to have an abundant life, uh, there has to be some persecution in my life. That's what it seems to be saying. And yet, no one says, I want to be persecuted for anything. I want you to notice with me, though, that persecution has a place. First of all, I want you to notice that persecution is a part of the abundant growth of the first century church. It was a part of what was happening when that church in those infancy years was experiencing great growth. You can go through the book of Acts and you can mark these passages that show where the church was growing. Men, women, multitudes, increasing, multiplying. And one passage even says churches were multiplying. If you picked up a sermon outline... I have a number of those passages for you to consider on your own. 
But when you notice through the book of Acts, when there is a time of persecution, when Christians were persecuted at some time, almost immediately Luke then says, and the church grew. I don't know that that was the point that Luke was making, but it sure seems like it could be. Maybe there is, in fact, a connection to the idea that while they were being persecuted, they were also growing. And yet that makes it sound strange, because why would somebody want to be a part of a group that's being persecuted? Think about it in personal terms. Who wants to be bullied? Nobody wants to be bullied. And nobody notices someone being bullied and wants to act like them so that they will also be bullied. That's not how we operate. And yet, that's exactly what it appears is going on in the book of Acts. From chapter 4 through 7, the apostles were put in prison in chapter 4. They were instructed not to preach in chapter 5. And then we come to chapter 7, and Stephen was actually stoned because of his preaching. And yet three times in those passages, there is a mentioning of the church growing. Then we come to chapter 8. And in chapter 8... It opens by saying that Saul was lashing out against the church, entering into every home and dragging men and women off to prison. In verse 4, they were scattered because of his persecution, and they went everywhere preaching the gospel, and churches were multiplied. When those first 3,000 people obeyed the gospel, they didn't want to go back home. They stayed around because of this newfound faith with each other. And they stayed around apparently for a year or two. And in that time, they were enjoying the company. They were enjoying the fellowship. They were learning. And then all of a sudden, when Saul came on the scene, they were scattered and went into all the world. Seems like God used persecution to get those people to fulfill the great commandment to go into all the world and preach. It is the case that persecution created an environment in which the church grew. And while that might seem strange, that certainly is the record. And I would encourage you to consider looking at those verses. I think they're all there on the text in the book for you, on the outline that is. And then you can notice this fact. Paul said of himself in 2 Timothy chapter 1, 
the reason why it is that persecution grew the church. He said, For this reason I suffer all of these things, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. Paul said, I am not ashamed. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Persecution caused growth because persecution revealed commitment level. Persecution revealed commitment level. Years ago, I titled the sermon this way. Lord, we pray for persecution. If in the first century, the persecution revealed a commitment level that challenged every single one of them to buy in or to get out, Lord, we pray for persecution. If persecution would say there are no lukewarm Christians anymore, everybody is on fire knowing what they're going to face, or they are out because they don't want to face it, then Lord, we pray for persecution. Commitment level is important. My commitment, your commitment to the Lord is extremely important. And while I think I'm committed and you think that you are committed, what would it be like if first century persecution happened here? Would I be that committed? Would we as a church continue to try to find a way to meet even in the face of all of that persecution, I think the commitment level of every single person would be challenged and is challenged in some form of persecution even today. That's what we find in the book of Acts. Number two, persecution is in fact a part of the life of anybody who wants to live godly. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think I've ever been really persecuted. Maybe you have. Maybe you've been in situations where it was a real struggle to be a Christian and you had to fight through and show your commitment level to do so. Oh, but there have been some difficulties, yes. We've all faced something that relates to a challenge to our faith. But I want you to know that in that first century, there was something really difficult happening those people needed to hear the comfort of Jesus. When you're persecuted, you're blessed. Even the prophets were persecuted. But don't just turn around and be evil to them. Just experience the blessed life. 
Jesus needed to comfort those people because they really were being persecuted. It was already beginning even while Jesus was on the earth, and you know that. But through the next succeeding 30, 40, and 50 years, the church experienced some terrible persecutions. People were even challenged. If you want to be able to buy food in the marketplace, you have to have a paper that allows you to do it. And the only way you can have the paper is if you sign it saying, I deny that Jesus is the Son of God. That'll test your commitment level. And those people were going to face all of that, and Jesus needed to comfort them. Therefore, he said, blessed are you. But Paul needed to warn them. Paul said in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 12, Yes, those who have lived godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. If I've not been persecuted the way they were, does that mean I'm not living a godly life? Is that what Paul was selling, telling to them and to me? Am I supposed to rate my godly living by whether or not my life has been threatened as a Christian? Is that what Paul was doing? I don't think so. He needed to say that. Because he was talking to people who were going to face that. It was coming, and they weren't going to be able to get away from it. And so he had to say, listen, you're going to have to make a choice. You're going to keep being godly, and you're going to suffer because of it, or you're going to say it's not worth it. So the environment in which those people lived is what produced the comfort from Jesus and the warning from Paul. Our environment is not like that, but there must be a message there for us. So finally, third. I want us to see how persecution is an opportunity an opportunity to experience the abundant life in a special way. This is a special opportunity. We are people who don't want to run toward trouble. We honor those who do. And we say, man, those are people who are committed. Those first responders who run into those situations, we honor them because that is extraordinary. But our own sense of survival oftentimes keeps us from throwing ourselves in the middle of all of that. I read a man this week who made this statement. If Christianity is worth anything, it is worth everything. Isn't that interesting? 
If it's worth anything at all, then it's worth everything. Because if I can call myself a Christian and just give up this one thing and say, that's it, that's all I got to give up, have you really committed? Persecution is a special opportunity to experience the abundant life in a special way. I want to give you four powerful reasons for persecution to be a part of the abundant life. And then tonight, we're going to talk about persecution to understand what it is and and see how that it is possible that even in this environment, in our world, in this free country of America, that we can still, yes, face persecution. And it'll talk about our commitment level. But first... Here is the reason why we should. Why is it that persecution is a part of the abundant life and I should want it, I should welcome it, I should run to it like a first responder? Number one, persecution is an opportunity, a special opportunity at that moment to perfect my faith. Look at James chapter 1. James said, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the trying of your faith produces patience. And let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Persecution is an opportunity to perfect my faith. Here's why. It is really easy to buy into something when it's easy to buy into something. Simple. But when you are challenged and when you have to face something difficult, And when you have to make a decision that causes difficulty in your life, all of a sudden it's not quite as easy. And it makes it that much more perfect. Some of the best things in life are put to the test under extreme pressure in order to prove how strong they really are. Talking to Phil about his trip overseas, and he said, You think that 24 karat gold is pure gold? There's a difference. There's actually pure gold. The great heat, the great fire cleanses out the imperfections to be pure because that's what the gold is. It's been put under the trial of fire, and it now has come out pure when your faith is challenged. It's an opportunity to see it purified. 
It's important, therefore, to put your faith to the test. Now, I'm not talking about shedding your whole faith system and saying it's no good, I'm starting over. I'm saying, take your faith and, and put it to the test. Let it cause you to live and act and do certain things. Be willing to have a discussion with someone about your faith. Be willing to listen to someone challenge what you believe. Be willing to face and confront and question and say, is this what I really want to do? Is this what I really believe in? Don't run from it. Don't try to keep it a secret. Nicodemus tried to keep it a secret. He would come to Jesus at night. But Jesus said, we're the light of the world. Your faith can be perfected in the opportunity of persecution. Number two, it gives you a chance to prove something to yourself. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. We start at verse 3. We are bound to think, thank God always for you, brethren, as it, it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all of your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. When your faith is being challenged, you get to prove something to yourself. I understand it when we say, I am not worthy of the gospel. I'm not worthy of the sacrifice of Jesus. But on the other hand, I don't think that's right. Would Jesus have died for us if he didn't think we were worth it? So my idea of saying, what is he saying here? These people were experiencing some great persecution. And what is he saying? When you go through it, you can prove to yourself that it's worth the journey. Not that I am worthy on my own, but through Jesus I do find my worth. But also, it's worth whatever I'm doing. I can get through this bit of trial. I can get through this time of persecution, and it's worth it. You get to prove to yourself that the faith you brought into that time of persecution is real. It works, and it will stand up under the pressure. Number three, persecution is worth it because you get to gain the praise of God. 
1 Peter chapter 2. When he talks to the servants, verse 18, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable. If because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully, what credit is it? When you're beaten for your faults, you take it patiently. But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. From these servants, we learn the lesson. When your masters get upset with you because you failed, that's one thing when you're punished. But if you haven't done anything wrong and you get punished, that says something about you as a person. And it says something about the impression you make. You know what these Christians were doing every time they were being persecuted? They were receiving the praise of God. You know, the Bible says that when Jesus went off into heaven after his ascension, he sat down at the right hand of God. But do you recall where he was when Stephen was being stoned? The Bible says that Stephen looked into heaven and he saw Jesus standing. Jesus stood. He gave a standing ovation to the first Christian martyr who died because of his faith. He put it on the line. If it's worth anything, it's worth everything. And whenever we experience a time of persecution, it's a time to gain the praise of God. Finally, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 12. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory is revealed you may be also glad with exceeding joy. Fourth, persecution allows you the opportunity to say, I am being a partaker of the sufferings of Christ. We go through the Lord's Supper. We might think, how could he do that for me? I'm not worth it. How could he do it? And those people whose faith was so tested that they were going to die because of it, could they not say, Jesus died for me. I'm dying for him. Isn't that what they said? And isn't that what persecution is? It's an opportunity for me in some really small fashion to partake of Christ's sufferings. For these reasons, 
Persecution is a part of the abundant life. Understand what it is. Tonight, let's notice how to be persecuted. That is, how to find the abundant life through persecution and to understand it as God would have us to do. It'll always be a fight and difficult because by and large, the world doesn't want to follow Jesus. I know that you do because you're here. Maybe you've been hesitant to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. And really, to this point, it's not been worth it to you. It's time to decide that it's worth everything. It's time to decide I'm ready to obey the gospel right now. It's time to say I want to be a part of the family of God. This morning, if you are in need, our shepherds wait you here. Let's stand and sing together. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.